Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Norma. And we are Letters from the Mezzanine, a blog and podcast about New York City theater. And you can check us out on lettersfromthemez.com and our Facebook and Twitter. We, instead of reviewing shows like the like Ben Brantley or whatever, um, <laughs> we we're talk like, about... We're we, like Charles Isherwood's like younger BFFs. Sure. To yeah. Use New York, to continue that New York Times. Yeah. And we're we're just kind of two two chicks talking about theater after the show. So we're chicks. We do um, warn that there are spoilers in our conversation. So and sometimes we swear. And sometimes we swear. Okay. Let's start the show. So first up, we have an American in Paris, which we saw last night. Um, and we kind of went in there with very, very little knowledge. We knew that it was going to be kind of like a fancy musical. We knew um, it was based on the music of Gersh- the Gershwins. Um, we knew there was a movie out there, but that um, was that very was good. unwatched. But unwatched by either the both of us. us. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like I'm gonna tell you right now, guys. I'm sorry, spoiler. I'm not really into French set stuff. I'm not a French girl. I'm not really into stuff about expatriates in France. I ugh, that whole stuff. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm not about this. I'm not about this. Um, Ernest Hemingway, movable feast kind of stuff. I don't do that crap. So I just like so, so I don't know about this we stuff. and we had very kind of low expectations going in because we just I didn't where, know. I'm not. <laughs> Well, I'm not like a dance. I I don't know dance. I had like friends in elementary school who danced, and I was the only one who was just like a non dancer. Let's sit on the couch, guys. Um, <laughs> Let's not and try not to do, do anything athletic. Um, so <laughs> so yeah. But um, I walked away feeling like this was one of the most beautiful things. Agreed. I've seen. Agreed. Uh, I, 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 too, agree. I, I wonder, was that a surprise? Because we did not sound very enthusiastic. We didn't, did we? We really, like, we fooled you. Yeah. We're kind of like, oh, I don't know. Gross. Ugh, French. Ugh, dancing. Ugh. Yeah. Gershwin's oh, got my face. All the individual components. Nah. Do not add together. up. And, like, personally, and another preface before we get into it. Uh, like, these kind of, like, shows where it's like, we're going to take old show tunes, and we're going to cobble together the story. Uh-huh. Like, like basically, that's basically what Bullets Over Broadway did. I mean, it was based on a Woody Allen film, but then they also, like, just grabbed all these random ass, not random ass, but, like, you know, all these older songs that probably don't have copyright on them, and just, you know, put a, put a show together, you know, you know... The ju- ju- jukebox musical, but it's like the older, right. older version of the and jukebox musical. Yeah, and it's to appeal to an older crowd who has the money classic, to go to the theater. The classic, the classic demographic. Let's yeah. refer to it as that from now on, so I don't sound ageist or racist. The old, the classic demographic of yeah. theater goers. Yeah. Well, um, how old are you? You're like fifty-five, so you know you. I'm totally fifty-five. You can't be ageist. Because you're, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not ageist um, at all. So, <laughs> so there. I am totally fifty five. So, um, <laughs> so it's like I'm ten. So, so American Paris opens uh, with, their guys. This is crazy. It's called an American in Paris. But there's actually two Americans in Paris. Ooh, Ooh title what? mislight, misdirection. Yes. Which one is it? Um, uh. <laughs> I know. Actually, while I was watching the show, and we, I was keep thinking, well, who is? An American in Paris. Like, who's the American? Like, is it is it the songwriter? Is it the, the, the lieutenant? Is it the individual audience member? 
Ooh, being transported to the world of Paris after World War II, okay. darling. Well, let me Let's do the, actually get to the plot. Let page. me do the plot because I have a segue. So <laughs> do it, do it. Here's the key. There's um, so you have two Americans in Paris. One is a uh, a Jewish composer, right? Who I assume is kind of like a a stand-in for Gershwin. Um, He's Pick a Gershwin, any Gershwin. <laughs> yeah, his name is Adam Hochberg, and he's played by Brandon Uranowitz. Um, and and then the second one is an ex-soldier, right, a veteran who just, this is post-World uh, War II. France has just been occupied by the Nazis, and And victory. they literally show it. They show, they have this beautiful projection, not beautiful because it's a Nazi imagery, but they have a projection on the back mm. of the Nazi imagery all the way in the back. And, and they, they symbolically pull tear it down, down the and then the French flag appears and you're like, hooray, so at the World War II. The atmosphere is very much like a city on the mend, right? Like some, a place that has been, I remember, you know, there's like Rufus Wainwright sings a song about, um, I'm going to a town. It's called going to a town, and it's basically it's kind of like referencing Paris at the end of um, World War Two. Go check it out. But um, so yeah, so it's very much like a city on the men, not really knowing what to do with it. And one of the themes that is pres- very much present in the musical is um, like what do you, like after something so horrible has happened, right? After you've had the Holocaust and you've had war and you've had millions and millions German of German occupation. What, what... Destruction. How do you deal with that? Like, how does art play into that? Is art even worth it? Is art something that we should even be um, going after? And what should the, the purpose of that art be? Should it be to entertain and escape and stuff? Or is it to remind ourselves of... The, the glories of before. Yeah, or, or to remind ourselves of, like, the death and destruction that we just went to. And and I think the solution that the musical has is both, right? Like, the musical kind of accomplishes both. But, um... Let's take a step back. Or shall we yes. go away? <laughs> no, 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 let's take a step back. So we have the two Americans. Then we have, um... So, so you know, we got the uh, Adam, who um, is a composer, and he also, like, works at this a cafe. So he's, like, he's been an ex-preacher for a while. Um, he, you could tell that he had an injury in the war because he has a very heavy limp. Um, uh-huh. And then enter Jerry, who's, like, you know, the lieutenant who just got out of the war. And yeah. he decided to stay in Paris. You know, he's going to go home, but he couldn't because Paris. And there yeah. was a pretty girl he was chasing around in that opening balletic number. And then we have, have a, a third man who is a night club singer his name is Henri and then the final main character is um is a woman named Lise and she's a ballerina and she, and all three men are kind of after her enamored um, with her yeah she her becomes adorable little bob she black yeah. bob haircut yeah she so is cute. Adorable. she's so cute um and she becomes engaged do you think do you think um she uh her name is Leanne Cope do you think her and um the actress that was in on the town are BFFs Megan Fairchild. Oh, I was thinking Because they're both, like, really, like, petite ballerinas. Or maybe they hate each other because they're both ballerinas. I don't know. I just hope they really are being, Black like, swan? Like a black swan? Like a back, black yeah. swan kind of thing. Because they're both, like, petite and cute and tiny, but are also, like, really good. Yeah. Really talented. So the thing is, though, that all four of them kind of represent a different section of the arts. Like, you have Jerry's an artist. Adam is a composer. You have the singer. And then you have the ballerina, right? And so... All, and then all four of those are just, like, so, like, on a 1 to 10, all of them, like, 10 in this production. Like, yeah. there's, like, nothing kind of flakes on in this show. Everything is, like, 
at Are you referring to their performances or, like, their level of art in the show? Everything. (laughs) The cool thing is, also in the show, they're also really good at their art. Like, unlike Rent, where, like, Mark's film is a shitty documentary about his friends, Uh Uh, Maureen's uh, play is a shitty, like, piece of theater. Uh, The only one who's good is Mimi, and she's a stripper. So, (laughs) you know, some people may not consider that her art is, you know, artful enough. And then Roger is a crappy riff off of, you know fucking Puccini song so it's like great you guys all suck uh, and but meanwhile <laughs> these guys like you know Jerry's Everybody. art has this beautiful modern you know cubist art uh, uh, that later becomes the ballet design and we'll get into that oh that was delicious to look at and then um, Adam's you know I mean I mean he's basically embodying Gershwin so all his songs yeah. are obviously great and it's, <laughs> it's a show about art like it's a show about making art and it's a show it's about like how do you make art after after war and um, and like all of those are represented so wonderfully in this production um, and and it's really just kind of like honoring I don't know like I, I feel like it's a show that's trying to lift art up and show it for what it can be um that was my segue i don't know if it was worth it uh, <laughs> i like your segue i and they all work together so well like so like you said the the art of the scenic design the, the he costumes. eventually gets hired um by i forget names right now but eventually he gets hired to do the art the set design for the ballet mm-hmm. and during that ballet piece which is one of the longest continuous dance numbers I've ever seen, but was excellent through and through. It, they had this beautiful, stunning, you know, you had like ovals, like giant ovals on stage, giant geometric shapes in these lush primary and secondary colors, you know, golds and violets and greens and yeah. yellows and stuff, like all up on stage. And it was lit very lushly and beautifully. And it was like looking at visual art coming alive on stage yeah. through these dancers. And it was like it was like I was being transported to the 40s in a real in a real way, especially with Gershwin's music under under it all. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like the 40s, like and it was so easy. I mean another offsite. It was it would be so easy because their closing number is um who could ask for anything more. Um, no, it's not. Silly. Oh, they it's, can't take away. They from can't. Me. They can't take that away from me. Not same difference. I'm not. I'm not going to say that. But it's because um, <laughs> they sing that earlier. But um, they can't take that away from me. And they could have so easily made that a cheesy big old big band, like 1940s kind of stuff. Right. And instead, you know, they really did just play it out and yeah. just end the story so well. And that's the way I felt about seeing that ballet number. Mm-hmm. Is that there wasn't any extra like boobop doo-wop kind of uh-huh. stuff. It was just, like, this lush... Like, I felt like I was in the 40s because of, like, instead it was another aspect that we don't see often, which is the modern art. Uh-huh. The modernist art and this music and this dancing and this and their costume design that was clearly... It was like, okay, this is why I mean. This is why I wanted to go with this. Sarah's looking at me like, girl, what? Is that... <laughs> is that... Their costumes were clearly looked like 40s inspired with, like, you know, the high waist and the... Because they were swimming costumes. Mm-hmm. And they clearly... But in their strange primary color design, mm-hmm. it looked as if, oh, what if artists from the 40s were putting together a brand new show? What would that look like? And what if they were pushing the envelope? Oh. And what if they weren't wearing feathers and 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 
and glitter and all that stuff, like doing like a quote unquote traditional 19, like something that you would see yeah. at a jazz club in the 40s. Like what if they were to do something brand new to them? And that's what it felt like. And I was like blown away. Yeah. And everything was in the service of the story. Yeah. Like everything, like the staging, the dance numbers, everything was like just to rich in the story and the, the you know, love triangle and and um like even but, like and and it was also very like melancholy um there it it had like it had all sorts of emotions wow. <laughs> um, yeah lots of feels but um it it was there was like really joyous numbers and then there were ones that were more melancholy and it just captured like the mood of the setting um it captured that kind of like po- post-war disillusionment and the kind of the you know Especially what she also have opening, a broken heart in that opening scene when he's trying to find her jerry's trying to find lisa in the in the city and there's all these people and there's you know there's people waiting in line for bread and they're poor and lisa gives some yeah. of her bread to one of them and and everyone's wearing gray and everyone's just trying to get to somewhere and you can mm-hmm. just tell it's because like the war just ended and they're just all trying to like Move through the city. Like, there's no sun shining in Paris on a beautiful spring yeah. afternoon ambiance in that number. Uh-huh. And I feel like this this show, I feel like it should teaches other musicals and other plays, I guess, like all, any kind of production, how to do more with less. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. Like, everything is... Because think of, like, the Gershwin's like catalog. Think of how many... There are not a lot of musical numbers in this. I'm going to count right now. We got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 11. Well, there's like two songs mixed into one. Ten numbers in the first act. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 in the second. And if you think of the Gershwin's catalog of music, they could have crammed everything in there. <laughs> we could have like had a jamboree and I think they were very selective in what yeah. they picked. They didn't even do like full songs and repeat, you know, the verse a million times with like a giant, you know. Yeah. But I'm even talking about like the set design. Like oh like, yeah yeah symbolically like we talked about the flag like it opens Coming with down. the flag um, with Nazi images on it and then it comes down and it sweeps over the ensemble and then it becomes the French flag. Like Something like that is so symbolic and so filled with But it was very meaning. cleanly done. And very cleanly done. No no like big set design. Um there there were like moving panels. There was a lot of flats being moved on. Yeah, stage. a lot Those of dancers worked their butt off because if they weren't <laughs> dancing, they were moving set around. Yeah. And <laughs> and like images were projected on them, but and it but it was very like kind of sketch like images. Everything kind was just of like so, Jerry's drawings, am I right? I don't know. And it was just really like even though there wasn't it wasn't this like big production value and big set design and uh, it was still so clean and so simple so nuanced um i think it's like a lesson for other directors to so like how to not feed like the audience constantly with with those giant like box sets <laughs> that include like telephones yeah i mean even and... even the script even the script i feel was like so cut like very trim and very but but so still packed so much emotion. Yeah, they in packed it. a lot of emotion, but it wasn't it wasn't overall. There wasn't like a million and one monologues in this. Yeah, that. It, like a simple dialogue. It could be very, um, you know, very clean, very generic, and yet you knew exactly how the characters were feeling. Um, it was really, it was just so beautiful. I I loved it. <laughs> it was um, lovely, darling. Yeah, 
and and then you have the fact that like everybody in this cast is so freaking good at everything. Like they're amazing. <laughs> they're amazing singers. They're amazing True. dancers. Like amazing dancers. And like you've and and also great actor. <laughs> like they're like this is the definition of a triple threat. It's like Gene Kelly, and I didn't even know that Gene Kelly was in the original film. And and it, like immediately that main actor uh, reminded me of, like I I was like Jesus he's like Gene Kelly okay so here we go so Let's I have go. a whole I have a whole spiel for I haven't stopped talking about how Robert Fairchild is my new Broadway crush. all right so he I, he plays Jerry the ex soldier and here there's a lot of reasons why he is the total package and it's not just the fact that he has the most amazingly good looks of ever that I've ever seen facially. Not only Facial. is he... No, because we're going to break it down. It's okay. everything. Right, it's the face. Yeah. It's the face, right? Beautiful, beautiful, good-looking, clean, you know, face. Then we got that hair just swooped over to the side, but, you know, with the, you know, the sides trim. Beautiful, lovely. Also, broad-shouldered, muscled, physique of a dancer. And he's tall. He was tall, guys. And he had the butt of Chris Evans in Captain America, <laughs> or like in the Avengers movie. And like I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys are like into Marvel or just into Chris Evans's butt. But there's like this gift floating around Tumblr of just his like butt wiggling in his costume, and that was Robert Fairchild's butt. And it wasn't just me, guys. It's not just me just openly thirsting for this butt because even in the actual production itself, there's a moment when he's on stage and he's like standing and waiting somewhere, and one of the actresses goes by and she like checks out his butt and walks. Off. So, like, even the production acknowledges that boy got actor, booty. It was an actor-specific decision. Um, yeah, specific decision, and it was sanctioned by the director and, you know, everyone on board. Everyone's on board that his ass is amazing. But let's move on from and there. He, he can also like, fucking flips He and can flips. His dancing is spectacular. His singing is, like, Raul Esparza-esque. It's just beautiful and, like, syrupy even, and delicious. Even more, yeah, even more Even more so. Than, like, even more Raul's pure. Raul's Sometimes he gets More Raul Esparza than Raul Esparza. Yeah! And... <laughs> Finally, besides how amazing he was gorgeous and how amazing he could sing and how amazingly he could dance, he's a fucking amazing actor. He was fantastic. And he and everything he did was yeah. acted through his singing and through his dancing especially and just through his dialogue. And I just and that wasn't just him, by the way. That was the entire cast. Triple threats. I couldn't believe because sometimes you see a show, you see a show and you see like someone do like a spectacular flip. Or they belt, you know, an H. I mean, that's not a note, but you get where I'm going with this. They belt an H or whatever, and then then they like open their mouth and say some lines. They're like, "Oh, you were just ha- acted. You're just you were cast for your special skills. That's why you're in the show <laughs> to like do a tumble or like you know hit a note and then mm-hmm. that's it and then go off stage." But like in this show, everyone is doing everything yeah. to the best of their ability, and it shows. Yeah, and just like like at first, I thought that. Um, uh, that Adam was just going to be, like, the actor of the group. No, nuh-uh, great. He, then he came in on stage in this fantasy sequence where he, like, just danced the shit out of everything. And I'm like, yeah. no, triple threat, too. Everybody's a triple threat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, and, and um, just like Norma, like, gushes over Robert Fairchild, I gushed over Max von Essen. He is lovely, who, too. Uh, I was, like, yeah, I came home, I told my sister, I'm like, this is who I'm going to be obsessed with for the next few days um he just a few days (laughs) well you know we we move quickly i mean we do have a lot of shows to cover so (laughs) sometimes you know you see like one show a month or a couple shows a month yeah like you have more time to nature like i think in july at least like of last year at least on one or two shows so like my ramen caramelu like obsession was (laughs) lasted for a while 
but yeah. No, he so he plays um, Henri, right? Who is the nightclub singer uh, aspiration guy? Uh, he, he like I don't. He he is so adorable. So he's adorable. So he's genuine. a total mama's boy. So genuine. Inhibited. And like every line delivery was like on point and just tugged at my heartstrings so much. Like everything, everything he said. I don't know. He could have just been saying yes, please, or something, and I would have been like, oh, you're you're so cute and you're so <laughs> earnest and so. He is very earnest. And then he has this number which I believe okay. it's called "I Build a Stairway to Paradise." Yeah, I build a stairway to paradise. He, I just mumbled that, but um, like the <laughs> only. Thing I could think of, like, okay, maybe two things I could think of. It's, like, Hugh Jackman doing Peter Allen in Boy From Oz and, like, doing, like, the biggest number in that show, um, which I don't even want to try remembering because whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but like, or, or I mean, just, and the joy I felt at seeing it was kind of, like, the joy I felt, like, watching the genie in Aladdin, like, James Monroe Englehart, like, just... I don't know. The performance was just, like, mind-blowing. And just to set it up, he, so, you know, like, he, he's, like, nightclub singing on the on the DL. He's in the nightclub. He starts it, and it's, like, you know, the per- arrangement is even, like, the awkward, like, stuff. And he's, like, really awkward. He has stage fright. And, you know, he's, like, making through it. And then what unfolds, of course, is, like, the, the fantasy. He's out in the tuxedo. And he's kicking ass. And he has, like, backup dancers. And, and then he becomes. Yeah. And there's so much writing on that moment because he's so, uh, he like, at, at this point in the show, he's very nervous. And he's just kind of been put down by his friends. And he, he doesn't believe, like, that anything is worth it anymore and um and he's also a little heartbroken and um and so there's so much writing on this performance it's such an earned moment like emotionally he earns it and you you're like i don't know i was gushing with like pride and joy and happiness mm-hmm. at like the whole stretch of time that he was up there it was ugh I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I it was. Feelings. I mean, it was a wonderful. It was a wonderful. It, this show gives you a lot of feels. It also gives you. I love the real talk. You know, speaking of art, the also the real talk of art versus money, which is one another one of my favorite themes just in life, mm-hmm. um, because you need you need money to do art, and and you know, two of the artists are here, um, Jerry and. Lisa actually are both beholden to people for their artistic careers. How are these two characters going to manage, you know, their love for each other and also their art and their art that's that's that that is monetized? Yeah, you know, where are those where are those ideas? Luckily, they at the end they they do get it all. They get it. They um, get it all. And another point that I wanted to make was how seamlessly the dancing and the dialogue went together. Like yeah. there, there wasn't it was it didn't, it didn't feel f- like a dance show. Yeah, it, and it didn't feel like dance break. Like you know, you'll, <laughs> you'll be watching. Um, I don't know, like singing in the rain has like okay dance time, right? Whereas like you know, last twenty minutes of the show, it's it's time for that number. Or um, like on the town, it's like dance break. Uh, yeah. No, this this was like they it all flowed so seamlessly. And um, and again, like everything was in service of the story. Uh huh. So Even the dance numbers sometimes, sometimes, and because I'm such an not anti dance, but like it's not my thing. I'm very ambivalent toward it. So like sometimes in the show, it's like watch our dancers dance like for like five minutes, yay! And you're like, oh, this is beautiful. 
but I'm kind of like, oh, like, I mean, you could have cut it and I wouldn't have cried. And yeah. meanwhile, in here, that it's all narrative-based dancing. So you, if you could have cut that, you would have, you know, it's like it's like West Side Story. It's all, and it's like it reminds me of Jerome Robbins actually. Jerome Robbins choreography. I forget the name of the piece. If you do guys know what I'm talking about, please feel free to tweet us or Facebook us. Let us know because I, I don't I don't have Google handy. Oh, and I'm Ouch. knocking down the. The podcasting recording materials. So there was, uh, there's this uh, piece that he did about like three sailors. It's a dance piece that he choreographed. Uh-huh. Three sailors like coming into the city and like they all meet girls. It's like out in the town, but it's it's all dance. It's okay. all done through dance, but it's a theater piece. It's dance, but it's it's narrative dancing, um, and that's what this show was. It just was as soon as I saw, it, I was like, this reminds me of that Jerome Robbins piece. It was just all like. 100% their facial expressions were completely conveying what was going on. They didn't have that dead dancer face sometimes. Like, yeah. oh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm jetang, I'm pretty. It was all, like, really, like, it was 100, they're all 100% feeling everything, not just through their bodies, but through their, like, faces and souls and stuff. And I just, it really was so much fun to watch. Yeah, and really moving. Yeah, like, we, I, I think we both walked away from the theater being like, wow, this is, this was something really special. Catharsis achieved, guys. Yeah. Catharsis achieved. Um, yeah. I, my last note was, um, like, just fucking yes. It was... <laughs> fucking yes! Fucking yes. So, we took another trip to France. Ah. Um, earlier this really? week. We did! And we went even further back in time. Gigi. Um, to Gigi. Gigi. At the Neil Simon Theater. Yes. Starring Vanessa Hudgens. And it's yes. so funny because you think, oh, we're like making this up. Like in what universe would like they hire <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens to do right. Gigi? Uh, which was first um, a movie. First a motion picture in the 50s. 58, 59. Can't uh-huh. remember off the top okay, of my head. 58. 58, thank you. Set then in, it later set became a musical. In, it's set in 1900. Paris. Paris. Um, and basically you have, I, I don't, I probably am not the right person to should summarize. I, should I summarize plot. this? Let me summarize. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me summarize Gigi. Uh, I, so it starts off with uh, Gigi and she um, is uh, a young girl. She's like 18. She uh, lives in France with her grandmother. Her grandmother is called Mamita. And I think think they're like Spaniard? I, yeah, I'm gonna venture forward and say they're Spanish immigrants to Paris or to something. To Paris. Yeah. And um, so basically Gigi is, comes from a lineage of courtesans. Her uh, mommy to her grandma was a courtesan and her aunt, her great aunt is a, was a courtesan and she is getting lessons My Fair Lady style to be a, you know, courtesan yeah. when she and grows up. And it's not just like courtesan like it's like you've signed a contract and you're set for life. Like it's almost like it's like jumping it's like, like jumping to divorce in a way. It's yeah. like you skip the marriage, you jump to divorce and you get all your man's money. It's like sugar bunnies with the even better better sugar daddies and whatever in a better yeah. contract. And it, and it's you know, she's things that she has to learn. It's not even just like it's not like her 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 great aunt is teaching her like the ways of like mistressing. It's more like how to pour the coffee, how to entertain, how to sit straight, you know, all that good yeah. old-fashioned princess diary stuff, except it's not princess, it's a courtesan. Okay. Um, so anyway, <laughs> let's move forward, let's move forward. So, so yeah, Gigi, um, there's a guy, as there always is, his name is Gaston. Oh my God, this is so funny. His name is Gaston. I'm sorry, I just, Beauty and the Beast, I can't help it. Before there was Gigi in my upbringing, there was Beauty and the Beast. My bad. 
So there's Gaston, and he's um, a family friend to Mamita, and he is, a le- you know, one of the members of the gentry, and he has, like, you know, courtesan girlfriends or whatever. Uh-huh. And then there's a breakup. You know, he breaks up with his latest hoe. And then I'm going to refer to courtesans as hoes interchangeably um, for the <laughs> podcast. Please do not take offense. I actually think that if I were in a position to become a courtesan or a lady hoe, I would love to do it because it sounds like a great gig with they, the right contract. Sure, yeah, they sure make more money. They than sure. Later. I mean, her. I mean, you could get like full on apartments through this gig if you play it right. So it was really great. But um, she there's an availability. So then the the aunt is like, oh my god, we got to get Gigi to be the next hoe. And Victoria Clark, the her mommy says like, whoa, whoa, I still want to be a little girl because she's still very infantile. She's very Lolita S. She's like has like her little dress her little like you know sailor school girl outfits and you know acts like a little girl all the time it's like no no it's time like for her to become a woman and then there's like this whole like thing between her eventually actually falling in love with Gaston and not being comfortable being a hoe you know not a girl not yet a woman she's like I don't think I want to be a hoe and you know of course it ends in marriage yeah and it's not all about the you know Parisian social scene and all that stuff it's uh you know you know these two characters you know um Gigi and Gaston actually have like a a, a, a um not just a romantic relationship but like a good really solid friendship yeah at, with each other then later becomes marriage but, and it's beautiful so like all this hoe stuff is severely underplayed <laughs> in this production like you i i feel like that okay, had some trouble i i had <laughs> trouble following this i did not know that what she was being trained for uh, yeah i did not know that she was being like norma had mentioned to me that they did it in the movie and and i just kind of assumed like oh so maybe they're not doing it in the musical or so i don't know but it, it just like if like you can bring like a 10 year old kid to this show and you'd be oh fine yeah because it goes right like, over there no, yeah it and it went over my head. <laughs> it's not it's not explicit at all. Which I think is like a severe down like a minus to the production. Like I felt like skirting over the issues and keeping it so general, so it's broad. It's kind of like it was it didn't do a service and then you you know, you don't really get into the nuances. I mean it's a it's a really complicated thing, right? Like to be a hoe. A uh, complicated idea to be training to be a hoe, and then to <laughs> um, and, it's, and it's and it's a and lot. Then, and this is all she and they and they do say that this is a fantastic opportunity for her, and it is. You know, like the intricacies right. of the fact that you know she will you know travel the world. Right. She will be with this man. They will have a romance. They will be the talk of the town. Yeah. And at the end of it, you know, if they're you know if and when you know know it fades you know she'll have some money or she'll have a place to live or something with it um and it's not marriage marriage isn't the end goal here because at the beginning um Gaston uncle says nobody in Paris gets married like it's all romances and courtesans and mistresses and affairs um it's it's all of that and this economic back and forth minus the foreverness of a marriage uh, mm-hmm. that I thought was fascinating. And here's the thing. I actually, it was underplayed, but it wasn't necessarily, I think, as underplayed as, say, like, Sweet Charity, where she's kind of like a dancer, but she's not really a stripper, but she's uh-huh. not really a hoe. You don't really know what she, It's very undefined. Like, she's kind yeah. of like... Like, in a trashy profession, but, then, but not really. But, like, but in here, you see, because I'm, like, because I was really convinced, like, I was, like, I got it. There was a scene where, you know, she says, she, she, she tells Gaston, like, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be in your bed. I'm supposed to share a bed with you. I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z with you. And, and then he's, like, but you didn't tell you, like, the rest of it, you know, like, all the, 
all the fun dates that they're going to go on. But, like, more, like, you know, passing over how oblivious I was. um, (laughs) Like, there's just so many nuances to this thing that you, that they could have explored in a more mature musical, and yet they just went for, like, family entertainment. Oh, yeah. Family entertainment. To be fair, I think that's, I mean, I think that's. I mean, you could still have, like, a fun cute musical while still like so, what it's about, so there's about this whole becoming thing becoming a hoe <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> there's still, you know there's the whole fact that like the world is basically watching Gigi grow up right and like in a very creepy way and go through puberty I mean it's it's scary it's like a really scary thing and we it's never very veiled, it's very threatening and we really never get like Gigi's point of view on that and like how she feels about um, we get a little bit of it, very, very, very little. little. At the very end, she's like rejecting, me. like I don't, you know, I, I, I mean, can't go through with this. I can't go through with this ugly duckling swan shit, you know. And you get a little bit of the whole like, oh, I would, you know, I'd like to be free. I'd like to, you know, learn how to drive a car yeah. and stuff. But, but it was very really generic, fleeting. Yeah, very fleeting, really generic, really vague. Like to be she fair, could have been talking about anything. Although and, I feel like the movie. I mean, I haven't seen the movie in a while, but I don't recall it being. It's not as in depth as the. It's not as in depth as say like My Fair Lady, uh-huh. uh, which is more into like the class of it and and or even you know Pretty Woman, My Fair Lady eighties, Redux. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's not and you know it has the same. It's Lerner and Lowe do the book and music. They also same for My Fair Lady. And that has a more like detailed. Yeah, big. This right. is a lot my more modern. My Fair Lady is a you know, it's like a family show, and it still goes into the layers of what she's doing. You know, like yeah, how it affects her for, and how she feels about it. Yeah, there's stuff for children and there's stuff for adults, and I think you can still go about it in a skirted way. Hmm. But um, like, so there's that. There's the fact that now her best friend is now her lover. I mean, that like she does. and 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 you can tell that she loves him in a way from the very beginning. You know, she yeah. cares about him, but it. Because she has this arrested development in that her aunt, uh, her grandmother never lets her grow up right away and, like, keeps her in the girlish tresses and the little hair and a cute little hat and, like, you know, doesn't let her know or do about X, Y, and Z. So she still has this really, like, creepy, not creepy, but, like, she has a very, like, stifled, innocent quality and that has been immediately catapulted into being a courtesan. Like, yeah. not even a child bride, a straight up, like, you know, you know, glitzy yeah. thing. And she's very, unco- she's uncomfortable with it. Honestly, I'm uncomfortable about it. Especially since, you know, Vanessa and Hutchins and Gigi is very petite, very thin. She looks at, like, like a very young girl. Yeah, she looks like a 15-year-old. And I think to compensate, they cast, um, who they cast for Gaston, he looks like he's Corey like, Cott. yeah, he looks, you know, fresh out the womb as well. So it's yeah. a little less creepy because the original... Ex-Nuzi. He's supposed to be like he's an ex newsy. Do you he's know? Yeah. So that, that, that's that's right? He's an ex newsy who doesn't do any dancing in the show. Yeah, and at one point he refuses to dance in the number, and that really pissed off Sarah. I got really mad. I'm like, yo, boy, this like you were newsies. I know you can dance, and he's like, oh no, I'm not gonna dance. I'm like, no, this is not how you do a musical. <laughs> this is not this is not who you are. Um, and then embrace it. So so we have to talk about the fact. I mean, it's a, it's one of those shows that they brought to Broadway to stick a star in it and have us all go to see the star in it. So we gotta talk about it. Vanessa Hudgens graced New York's presence. Said going to Coachella this year. She's been in previews <laughs> and opening Gigi, which doesn't mean that she hasn't taken Coachella like Coachella esque photos on her Twitter account. Oh, um, so but, that wasn't a read. But like what we're saying oh. is is that like. I was expecting, and I think the reason why I enjoyed Gigi as much as I did 
um, was that it wasn't, my expectations were very, very, very low. Like, uh-huh. very, no, yeah. criminally low. Um, and instead, I thought she was very capable as a celebrity coming in to a Broadway mm-hmm. stage. Her singing was fine. She even nice. belted. She, she's great. She's she a great belted. Singer. She belted. She even did a soprano in harmony at one point. I was like, "Look at you!" Um, so yeah, her singing was great. She's a fantastic mover and dancer as well. Very yeah. graceful. She fit right in with the ensemble when they were doing stuff together. And she was a, she was a fine actress. I had nothing to say. Uh. Without <laughs> here we go. Without the very obvious. Well, okay. I mean, honestly, there's not a lot to act in. She just really has to like smile and act like a little girl. Yeah. For most, of, for so like seventy five percent of it, and then sound torn and. But she, um, but then she's like, she like someone must have given her notes, like directors. All right, notes. Vanessa. Vanessa, yes, Vanessa. So we're not really getting you clearly on stage. We're not really getting. So you're gonna need to enunciate your lines and uh, and really focus on those T's. Yeah. Okay, so... And then she circled her script with all the T's. And so does this <laughs> count as enunciating? I no, so. not, not enunciating. 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 And then you got it. And then you well, got it. Vanessa Ann Hudgens' It doesn't really matter. <laughs> matter. It was... That was um, that was one of the things that I was just like, ooh. Uh, didn't need to do that. Because almost everybody else did an American accent. Or did a British I don't accent. I even know. I don't even think yeah, it was did an accent. American accent. Yeah, But everybody. she she did, like... Girl in like middle school is doing a Shakespeare show and is learning like proper poetry for the first time in her life and thinks she has to like yeah. say it all very well, which was really strange because like her performance came out well. So I, I'm sure it had to be a note that they gave her and they, they shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. You like you would definitely enjoyed this more than I did because yeah. I, I just felt like it was really Am I saying, generic. And however. Really, um, like I said, I've seen the movie before. I, I get I get what it is. It's like I said, it's like a it's like My Fair Lady Light. Um, I was reading that um, in the original review of the show, um, like from the New York Times of the movie. They said that you know Lerner and Lowe should maybe like sue themselves for plagiarism because <laughs> it's like pretty much the same thing, but with Paris and with courtesans. And so like it's not the best thing ever. Me personally, I don't think it's a must see at all. But I don't think that it's a total, like, disaster. I don't think you can really make a drinking game out of it unless you see how many times Vanessa and Hudgens would overpronounce her T's. Other than that, there's really nothing else to pick at being, like, like disgustingly yeah. bad. Although I do want to settle a score, like, thematically going yes. looking at this show. So I feel like in this show, do like she, so she's rebelling against what's expected of her, which is right. to become a courtesan. right. And her rebellion is basically to get married. And so, like, in this show, getting married is, like, the liberal thing to do. You that know? is... Or, like, the progressive thing to do. That is a little weird. When, when really, like, when really, if you step back at it, uh, step back and look at it, like, being a courtesan seems to be, like, the feminist the most, thing to do. Because the most professional. you're maintaining your independence. You're getting money out of it. You're, she was like, going to get up, like, a whole, like, seven-bedroom apartment yeah. for the rest and, of her life. And so that kind of, like... And then, and you know, even in that time period, 
if you did become a mistress and you, you know, did well for yourself, then you could do things like become a madame and host yeah. salons or pursue a career yeah. or do something for yourself. And you wouldn't be beholden to a man. And now Gigi may not be in that position. Uh-huh. Even though she loves Gaston, we don't we don't know if Gaston's going to be like, oh, yeah. you can't learn how to drive a car. Because he wasn't very receptive to the idea before. So what if, like, now that they're married, oh, now I want to drive a car. Well, no, you can't. He was She was a courtesan. Exactly. Probably good, definitely. Yeah. Do whatever she wants. And she could pursue her own interests and stuff. But, um, like, I wonder how the, uh, if the book is, has a similar ending or what it does. Because, I, you know, I know, like, I've heard of Colette and she's, like, you know, French feminist, like, early first French femi- feminist author. And, um, and it just feels like the wrong message. Like, it, it feels like something got botched. In, like there's like this conservatism to it. Oh yeah, where rampant. where like marriage is touted as like you know th- this is what young girls should do and this is the better way and you know and like breaking the it's like kind of trying to make marriage cool like making marriage cool rules. in yeah. the 50s break the rules and get married <laughs> and, and I don't know there's it's just and then there's like all the competition between women and stuff it, like it just doesn't yeah the competition between her right and the prior courtesan was a little so yeah so I just wonder like how much lib- like whether the original was like this and uh, how much they adapted and to be fair also, yeah to be fair I would I would be curious to know what would you do in like what like it, to, to be fair to this character to Gigi as underwritten as she is she's this young girl who like be, you know, has had this arrested development, and now she must be thrust to become a courtesan. That even though this is what society is dictating, she has no knowledge of it or no experience with it, and now she has to deal with that. Where in fact, she actually does love this person for who he is, and like to her, it would make sense to marry him or be in a relationship with him that wasn't based on monetary, because a courtesan relationship will be based on money. Marriage may not necessarily, yeah. in this romantic view, be based on money, and that's true to her as a character, and it's also true to like the side romance between Mamita and the uncle that they, you know, they both were like together, and now they're kind of want to settle down and trust each other again so that would be really cool yeah I just it just didn't really feel like the kind of mess I don't like it just had this conservative twist that you know I've talked about before in like into the woods where there's like a Mm -hmm. family you know like a strong push towards like traditional family values I don't know but I think that's something to explore a little bit um and yeah there's (laughs) There's uh, the pedophile song, which oh, gets reassigned. Oh, thank heaven for little girls. Which is the worst song to get stuck in your head. It's the worst. Um, you can't sing it anywhere. Yeah. Uh, in, in the original movie, it's sung by the uncle, Gaston's uncle. It's really gross. Um, and in this production, it's sung by um, Mamita and her sister. Yeah. Which kind of saves it a little bit. Yeah. Kind of. But it's still, I mean, it's little girls. That's so yeah. specific. It's like the Dimitri Martin joke where he says, you can say that you like children, but don't mention, like, specific children. Like, I really like eight-year-olds. It's yeah. like, I really like little girls. Maybe think heaven for girls. But little? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like, I, I just keep everything. And the like, festization. The of- Lolita thing. It's that Lolita thing. It's kind of gross. I keep thinking of just, like, ways that the show could have been better. Like, like all this, I felt like the ballads are really generic. Like Victoria, like oh Victoria yeah, Learner. Park. I mean, this was Learner and Lowe's like totally day off. They were not <sighs> like, and then there's all these like Victoria Clark's ballad where she's That's like talking pretty. about how yeah, it's pretty, but it's like it didn't give me any information that I already didn't know. Like it was, <laughs> it was just like oh look at look at Gigi and how beautiful she is, and she's a woman now, and you know she used to be young. And it's like all right, thank you very much for that. 
Um, nothing, like, nothing new. And then there's all these, like, missed comedic opportunities, too. Like, the lawyer song could have been Oh, the lawyer song could have been way better. That the, lawyer song was, I thought it was going to be hilarious. Like, the, the Maxime's, like, the whole Maxime's scene, all the scenes at Maxime's where there's, like, the mob kind of, like, mentality with, uh, like, it reminded me like of this. Merrily We Roll Along, which you haven't done. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> but it was the social, the social construct you know, and the gossip, gossip yeah. and all that. It was, it was like, and to be fair, I mean that's that's just that was how it was written. I think it the musical came out in the seventies yeah. or in the eighties. It's just it's not the source material is just not that great. Um, but I think what they did with it, you know, they did the best they could. I, that's what I'm. That's that's basically my take from it. Um, is that the production itself, the what they did with it, you know, the costumes look great. It looked, you know, it looked pretty. Mm-hmm. Everybody sung and acted their and danced their way through it as best as they could, and it was an entertaining evening out. It wasn't like it wasn't so head scratchingly awful that I needed to tear out all my hair. So that's what I will say about that's it. That's true. Um, but yeah, exactly. So that's why I I, that's why I can't be I so hard know. on it. I thought it was gonna be a train wreck. That there was gonna be like like I thought it was gonna be a hot ass mess, and it wasn't. It was a hot ass mess. It was like. You know, a revival of a show with a star, and you know, and 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 making it as 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 entertaining and as as light as it can be in nineteenth century France. Yeah, or early nineteen hundreds France, twentieth century. I don't know. The old time with the bustles and the corsets. Yeah, it was. It was. I don't know. I mean. I could keep going. (laughs) We're not going to keep going now because we have. We actually have another show tonight. That will be featured in his podcast um, coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, again, as always, uh, please uh, check out our blogs where we blog about every show that we have seen on this podcast slash vice versa. You know, to get the full package, please read our blog. Please listen to our podcast, um, lettersfromthemess.com, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, and, yeah, we have a so much. We're not even done covering all the shows of the spring season. We have so much more to see and listen and talk to. So we're really excited about that. Yes. And, um, yeah. And I'll just sit and growl in the back of Gigi, like, just angrily angry. and sadly. <laughs> Goodbye, Gigi. Goodbye, little Goodbye, gals. Gigi. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, little gals. Bye. Bye.